All right, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast. Oh, God, it hurts. Oh, God, it hurts. Oh, God, it hurts. Oh, God, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Hi, guys. That's actually not a uh, forest troll that has crept into my computer. That is, of course, my wondrous <laughs> co-host, Game Agent E.T., a.k.a. Kunai, a.k.a. Chneese Junk. How are you, sir? <laughs> How do you remember all my old uh, nicknames on online? Because <laughs> I remember everything. Yeah. I, I, I only know Loops of Fur- uh, Fury. Not loops of furry, loops of fury. Yes, and, loops and, uh, of furry is a totally different, th- totally different uh, <laughs> effort of mine that yeah. doesn't take place on uh, Xbox Live. And, and the Zevis Blue, I remember that one. But there's also Voodoo People. Oh, I did, uh, yeah, that's right. That's which right. I've returned to. That's my Capcom ID now. Wow. So if anybody out there wants some free wins when SF6 drops, for free, look, look for voodoo people and you'll get wins for free. It's a trap, dude. It's totally a trap. You're just trying to bait people. No, you try, you're the one. It is you who are going to get the free wins. I am a six month old Brillo pad at this point. Just an old scrub. <laughs> It's all good. We're just here to play, have fun. That's what it's all it's about. True. Not not for glory, not for fame, not for, for esports, but for fun. <laughs> That's how it should be. Uh huh. It's true. Uh so uh, how have you been, good sir? Uh well, it's been real busy. Uh, I think. Everyone uh, back home in the states, uh, everyone's uh, getting ready to be on summer vacation, right? Yep, that is yeah, the mindset. See, but here in Japan, like uh, Golden Week was uh, early May, and then after that, uh, um, Japan goes on a trimester of sorts. So, like, uh, we have a law the our longest school semester. Uh, as you know, I'm a school teacher. Um, so it's usually like a month and a half where we have no vacation or no days off and it's just a big grind and we don't get time off like a day off until the middle of July. And then we go on a summer break at the end of July. So it's going to be, uh, yeah, some tough sledding from here on out, but at least we got Tears of the Kingdom to tide me over. Yay. Ooh. How about you, buddy? What's going um, on? So I, of course, also bought Tears of the Kingdom, like, you know, all 10 million of us in yes. that first week. Yes. Um, which is really, like, it's cr- incredible. It's an astounding thing in this, like, kind of deeply fractured media landscape where, like, you know, Super Mario Brothers kind of represented a big return to normalcy, like on the movie tip, because for the first time, like, oh, you had a movie that was really big and it was an animated movie and it was like uh, hit for kids, it hit for families, it hit for old gamer heads like myself who have an affinity for the series. And so, yep, um, same here. Yeah. 
And like, it's really interesting whenever something managed to, you know, to actually leave a giant footprint in that way. And just everybody was like, "Uh uh-huh, we're buying that. And so, um, yeah, uh, it's really kind of a subject unto itself. Um, I don't know. Do you want to, do you want to start talking about like your initial experiences with the game or like, cause I know, you know, here there were lots of lines at GameStops and other stores doing midnight launches for the game. Like it was very much like the kind of thing that is, has almost vanished really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a variety of reasons, the pandemic kind of yeah. a much more fractured landscape as far as like people buying games or really lining up behind a specific one. Like this was a kind of a giant blockbuster event in the way they don't seem to happen that often anymore. Um, yeah. What was it like in Japan and like what, what's been your impression of the game so far? Well, lines are a thing of the past nowadays because quite a few people are going digital and just buying it uh, uh, before uh, it drops. And then when it drops like at midnight, you can pre-download it and then play it. And then there's no real hassle to, right. to like, you know, stand in line for six hours. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it did bring back a lot of uh, old memories for uh, if you know about Japanese gaming history, um, you may have heard, heard, have heard of, uh, like the epic, uh, ditch class, ditch work type of days when a new Dragon Quest came out or something like that. Yeah. Uh, t- uh this time around, they called it Zelda Yasumi, which nice. obviously. Zelda uh, vacation. Yeah. Zelda break. <laughs> yeah. So people were tweeting on how they're ditching work to play Zelda for the the first day and uh, it was glorious um for uh for me um I was actually quite busy and I didn't get to play it until 4 days ago um half of me was thinking man if I start playing this it's going to be like I'm not going to be able to do anything else I'm just going to be fixated on this game and I'll feel unproductive but so you're almost again. dreading starting it because you're like, uh, this is going to take over completely. Yeah, but then I had to think <laughs> to myself, well, number one, it's not it's not uh, uh, counterproductive because, I mean, we're doing this show now, so this is, this is good. This is kind of right. like research for me. Yeah. So it's definitely worth it. And not only that, every time I... I played Breath of the Wild in the past. Mm-hmm. It was more like a relaxation type of session. Mm. So I could l- literally just play it for an hour. Yeah. And just feel at ease because of the fact that there's there there are parts of the game where you could just walk around and just say, wow, I, I wonder what's over that mountain. Or I wonder what's in that treasure chest in the distance and there's like some kobolds that you got to beat. I wonder how I'm going to get to there. Things like that. Yeah. It's just a really like easygoing, uh, pace yourself type of game. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, yeah, I, at at first I was hesitant, but then I realized, uh, 
maybe this is good for me. If I yeah. regulate it and play it like maybe a, a an hour a day, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. So, <laughs> well, but, it's tricky too because like you can say an hour a day and mm-hmm. commit to that, but yeah, the the thing with Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom is that if you wind up discovering something fantastic that yeah. sucks you in, yeah, exactly. that hour can be completely <laughs> obliterated. I mean, yeah, I had an experience with Breath of the Wild where quite literally, I started playing on a Sunday at like 10.30 a.m. Yeah. And I don't think I noticed how long I'd been playing until I realized it was dark outside. Yeah. <laughs> like I just yeah. got, yeah, you, I just you got to this that, place uh, where I was. Yeah. I, I think I've talked about it before, but like, yeah, uh, there's just something about the way they built that world and yeah. the way it's discoverable. That is just, I don't know. Cause I mean, we've been in the era of, like open world games for kind yeah. of a long time, but like I don't think there's been one yet that really feels this sort of coherent and unified and just has so bloody much to offer. And you know, that was still with Breath of the Wild. And from what I understand, like the sheer amount of possibility given the new systems in tears of the kingdom and the different things you can do with like ultra hands. Um, it's kind of mind boggling that like, you know, they've managed to cram this much into that game, you know, and it's really like, you know, you think about the the unbelievable efficiency of like the first iterations of Mario and Zelda. Like Super Mario Brothers, the size of that cartridge is something like ridiculously small. Um, yeah, it does. I, I like. I can't even recall now. I think like compressed. It's something like maybe two hundred fifty six k. Yeah, maybe smaller, but like. Mm-hmm you think of the efficiency of that and tears of the kingdom really represents kind of the exact same thing where like you think about the gargantuan size of open world games on other platforms and sure this is built in a way that you know the visuals are nowhere near as lush in terms of like raw horsepower on this particular piece of hardware but it gets so much mileage out of, you know, really clever art design. And there's so many, like there's so many things going on in any given moment in that game. Um, yeah, Yeah. It's, it's really kind of staggering when you think about like what they've achieved with it. Well, I, I know that for the first part, which I'm still in, by the way, uh, you Same. end up in uh, the Sky <laughs> Islands, right? Mm-hmm. I've been looking around, and I could swear the this area alone is probably as big as the first overworld in Legend of Zelda, if not bigger. 
Right. And that's just the first area. And that's probably yeah. like 2% of the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Just no, it's how much we really, It's wild. It's wild how many things are possible. It's yeah. really a game that, like, you know, besides the core sort of scripted narrative moments that are going to move the game forward, like, yeah. it's so big and so complex that really, like, no two people are going to have an identical experience playing it. That's how it was with Breath of the Wild as well. Right. Like, I could talk to someone about what I did in that game, and then another person would say, oh, actually, I did it in this way. Right. Or, oh, actually, I saw this. Did you see this? No way. I didn't even know you could do that, or I didn't know you could go there. Right. It's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then don't we haven't even talked about how people who totally break the game like when in breath of the wild you probably saw all these uh clips of people like doing these uh i forget that special power you have but it's like a kinetic power mm-hmm. that if you chain it you can do crazy things like jump half oh, half away half a ways away across the world mm-hmm. <laughs> things like that and get into places that you could couldn't initially get to with right. your normal abilities just completely breaking the game. Yeah. I mean, there's that, and I heard it's even more so in this game. Uh, I believe uh, A.G. Alnuma, the uh, person who spearheaded uh, a lot of the Legend of Zelda games uh, recently, he was saying, like, yeah, we want you to break the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's part of the fun. Yep. It's just... I mean, it's been going on since uh, people were speedrunning games like Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker. You know, Mm -hmm. all these uh, uh, skips that you could do uh, to skip uh, complete areas and complete storyline. How should I say it? The storyline arcs or whatever, like you would have to go through like several minutes of dialogue. You could totally skip. Yeah. (laughs) They love it. And that's great that they encourage it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It brings up an interesting question, though, because I know, like, despite what was pretty much universally like nines and tens on the review end, mm-hmm. um, there's still some people out there that consider themselves like Zelda traditionalists that kind of. You know, they don't love the experience, like, being so wide open. Like, I think they long for something that's, like, a little bit more structured or more Uh, focused in the way the old games were with uh the dungeons. And I just, Uh, I, like, I'm of two minds of that. Like, I can sort of see their point in that... There was something to the momentum of the dungeons in the older games where it was very exciting to see, like, well, what's the what's the ice temple going to be like in this one? Or, you know, what's the new version of this thing going to be? So, like, I kind of get that on one end. And frankly, I think they would be served really, really well if they actually did more remakes 
in the mold of Link's Awakening. Like, yeah, I'd be effing delighted to get like a renewed version of A Link to the Past that oh, was maybe I, I... like some sort of two and a half D style kind of thing. Like, I'd be very into that. I'd gladly fork out for it. Um, well, the closest that it came to was A Link Between Worlds, which is right. an excellent game. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but even that, it, like, that's a game that is also still kind of trapped on the 3DS, and it would be great to see that accessible by a lot more people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know. Like, I, I hear those people, and, like, you know, some of them are, like, our fellow cohorts on the Ruminations Radio Network. Yeah, we were talking about on the private Discord channel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Like, some are bummed, you know, like, I'm I'm less sympathetic about the people that are bummed out about, like, the breakable weapons. Um, yeah, you gotta get over that, that because right. it it's a small part of the game that, right. yeah, it sucks sometimes, but at the same time, I can see why they did it. It's right. to kind of put a slightly new spin on things. Well, they and, just they wanted to force you to be creative about the solutions that you concoct whenever you approach a different situation. Like, you know, if you got a cluster of bokoblins that yeah. are nestled like by a river and they've got a little fort and, you know, do you use like the kinetic power to just like chuck a fucking boulder at them? Or do you go in with some explosive arrows and look for barrels that are laying? I mean, uh, I appreciated like the sheer variety in combat and like that game, like even when you fucked up and managed to like get killed, it was fun to figure out like, Oh, well that didn't work. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a really fun, like, kind of trial and error component to that experience. I already um, had a few of those moments in uh, Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> That's one thing I was actually going to point out is that thus far, like, anybody that thought Breath of the Wild was too easy, I don't think you're going to have that complaint about Tears of the Kingdom. I don't even like, know if Breath of the Wild was easy because I died quite a bit. Uh, in that game too. I died Not- quite a bit like trying stupid shit, but like if I really buckled in and was like, alright like, fuck these guys I'm gonna get through this part, like I could yeah. usually do it, but like yeah. I've 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 taken on some deaths already <laughs> Yeah, I, I've died twice already <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's uh, quite uh, uh, quite uh, rare uh, yeah. in newer Zelda games like Zelda games I usually last until maybe a quarter through the game before my first death, but yeah. I've only played for like maybe five hours and I've died twice, and Mm -hmm. some of it was, yeah, uh, that guy's way too strong. (laughs) I gotta figure out something. And I ran into, what is it, the first Guardian boss? I haven't even gotten that far yet. See, like like we keep saying, every experience is different with these new Zelda games. But yeah, I'll, go on. I'll, I'm I'll, I'm only gonna say two words about it, and you can okay. let this float around in your brain. Okay, Gunstar Heroes. Oh, That's okay. all I'm gonna say. Okay, <laughs> I might have an idea what you're talking about because I kind of had that 
slightly spoiled on Twitter, but I okay. nowadays anything I see that's Tears of the Kingdom related, yeah. I scroll as fast as I can to avoid like seeing it like clearly. <laughs> you know, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it might be worth like updating your block words or something. Yeah. Like, just to block out spoilers. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, like it's really. It's a really impressive game, and I just need to spend some more bloody time with it. But as uh, we're about a week out now from the American Memorial Day holiday, so yeah, hopefully I'll get some time to just lock in and really begin to feel what it's about. Dude, because dude, like, yeah, it just I, feels like such a bottomless well of possibilities, dude. Uh, this is going to be my story arc. It's going to be like fifty years later. It's going to be like. Well, I guess uh, I'll go meet the princess now. <laughs> I wonder what she's up to. <laughs> yeah. No, it's really... Um, yeah. It's something. And, like, I would say in the background, one tiny train of thought that I have about this game is I'm just like... Yeah. Dear God, Nintendo, like... Don't fuck up the successor to the Switch hardware. Oh, like, please don't. Keep, I it mean, back, keep it back compatible. Because, man, if you can then just easily, legally fire up Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom in, like, 60 frames, no fuss, no muss, like, that alone, you're going to guarantee a metric fuck ton of sales. Yeah, like. I mean, people already <laughs> cracked it. Um, right. You you probably read it where they yeah. have it running at 4K at 60 frames, and people said, yeah, I can't go back to the original hardware now. <laughs> right. So, so, yeah, I mean, because I that, they should do that, it. Yeah. That, like, that threshold has already been breached yeah. on the emulation side. Like, for the love of God, man, like, don't don't do anything weird with whatever your next piece of hardware is. And I just that, have this terrible feeling that, that like, that, that was, yeah, that, that was uh, <laughs> the thing we were also discussing on discord, uh, Nintendo's penchant to kind of overthink itself. Uh huh. And sometimes it's good with the innovation they have, like with the switch. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's bad, like Nintendo Labo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, great, uh, great product, uh, but what are you going to do? It, was it, Ed? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, it was cool until you find out. Um, I got, like, these big cardboard box thingies lying around, and I don't have room for it in my house. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know, man. Like, there's, there's some things that they bring out that immediately you just go, that's not going anywhere. Nothing's gonna happen with that. Like it's just gonna come out. Yeah, it's just super and, cool. But at the same time, it's like, okay, now what? Like, there's no, there's no, there's no added there. There, you know. And with lava, yeah. like we all looked at that, it was just like, okay, Nintendo. Another one is that Mario Kart uh, with the actual toy that you race with, right? And remote connect- control cars. Yeah, and that's cool. That's awesome. And then yeah. you can make your own tracks, but then it's like, well, I got to clean up now. <laughs> and I got to do it again right. if I want to play it. I got to put right. all these track places in, track yeah. pieces. 
<sighs> That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. But, I mean, God bless them. Yeah. Without I mean, Nintendo, you wouldn't have as much innovation. Like, that innovation was there in the early days with Atari. Yeah. With all the great games they brought up that were so unique. And then even the cabinets, they looked yeah. so cool. Yeah. And then they kind of fell on the wayside with uh, the the crash, the great crash. Right. Then Nintendo came along, and then, yeah, here we are now. But. Well, it's definitely the difference between a company that, like, you know, they were a card maker and a toy company long before they ever started cranking out video games. And I yep. think that sort of having play be a cornerstone value of your organization and just always, you know, you think about your development talent and you put them together or pit them against each other or assign them to things that give them room to like unearth like weird little discoveries. Like there's absolutely an art to that. And yeah. You know, the thing that I was thinking about in contrast with, like, well, Microsoft owns, like, 30 developers. And, you know, it's like, well, there's such a profound difference in, like, the culture of those two things. And it's oh, like... You, you couldn't be you, so more right, yeah. I mean, if you, you can't approach things from, like, a... Well, we're going to set out and we want to sell 2 million of this thing. And if we do... do, do, do and it's like, well... If that's put forward first, like it's really like the cart before the horse. Like, if you're not focused on making a great game first, and that's not to say that like Nintendo doesn't do their homework with marketing, because my God, like this campaign, the entire rollout campaign for Tears of the Kingdom. You know, with the exception of some of their video choices, because it, it was also a little bit weird to have, like, this very in-depth sort of look at the gameplay systems hit before, like, the cinematic trailer. Yeah. Like, that was kind of a weird sort well, of... I mean, I yeah. sort of get why they were doing it, because they wanted to explain... There were a lot of qualms, like, oh, this just feels like more Breath of the Wild. And so... I can imagine they were eager to prove, oh, no, there's some very different things happening with this game. Yeah, um, that's exactly why they did it. That's what I read. Um, if you remember Kit and Krista, who used to host Nintendo Minute, mm -hmm. they kind of pondered that. And then there was an actual interview with uh, A.G. Alnuma. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, that's why we brought out that gameplay video to kind of show that there is a huge difference now. Right. And that's why you should look forward to it. Mm -hmm. And it worked. It really did yeah. work from what I heard. I didn't actually watch it because you know me. I don't want to see this stuff until after I finish the game or after I'm getting used you to experience it firsthand. And exactly. I completely understand that. Yeah. I but... guess me, like, because of what I do for a living, like, mm -hmm. I'm always so fascinated by like the approaches they take to marketing these things and like, Oh yeah. What they choose to do, what they choose not to do. Yeah. You know, all the strategy involved and by all means, I mean, to blow through 10 million copies of a game in a week is but, just 
bananas. But but what you said a little bit before is profound, though. Like, yeah. Nintendo being focused more on fun. And right. you see that in this game with Tears of the Kingdom, where you just, like I said, you go out and you explore. You don't, mm-hmm. sometimes you don't even think about, I have to do this, I have to do that. You're like, right. I just want to see what this does. And yeah. A lot of I wonder statements. I wonder what this will do. I wonder if I go over there, what what will be there. Right. It's the same with Mario Odyssey. When I played that game, it was more that as well. And that's why there's that Nintendo charm that not many companies have because Mm -hmm. they focus on play. They focus on wonder and uh, exploring, Mm -hmm. finding things out. And with Splatoon, even Splatoon is a, a very unique take on a shooter game, mm-hmm. and uh, they that it's out of left field, like how they made that system. But you can see why it's super popular in Japan. It's yeah. still one of the most popular series in Japan, and people still play it to this day. And Splatoon three did really well at launch. So, yeah. um, but Zelda traditionally doesn't do well at launch in japan but it did this year this this time around so it's great it's great to see and i'm glad people in japan are finally starting to notice because it took them a while with breath of the wild yeah but yeah definitely no missing it here nice yeah all right well we're gonna take a little break now so you can hear from some of our fellow podcasters here at the ruminations radio network got a variety of shows that you can explore at ruminationsradionetwork.com and then you can follow up and lock on to those podcasts with ever your favorite means of listening check them out you've seen twin peaks all the way through but all you have are spoiler free discussions at blue rose task force podcast no information is classified and nothing beats the listening sensation when production history collides with deep theory put the coffee on and we're back. Yay. So, um, despite the fact that I've not gotten to spend nearly as much time as I would like with Tears of the Kingdom, uh, a funny thing happened yesterday in the form of the first day of the open beta for Street Fighter VI. Um, What's going on man. there? Oh, um you know, if I could distill what it is specifically that makes Street Fighter Street Fighter, I would be someone employed for a lot more money than they are presently and working for a developer <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, to this point, I've gotten in several hours of gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, not all of the systems are like fully functioning. Like, there's a little bit of like weird sort of clipping and like graphic jank in the battle hub. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the matches are functioning pretty well. When you sort of understand the way the system kind of works, where like you select a server. Like when I hopped on, like my cohorts just gave me the name of the server they were on, so I went and hit the server and then physically found them in the little battle hub game center. Um, 
the matches work pretty well. As far as like the feeling of like the game itself, like visually, um, how it feels while you're playing it, etc. It feels really good. Like it's great to hear. It it just like I don't I don't I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know why this franchise has had such a you know eagle claw grip on my soul for you know most of my life at this point. <laughs> but yeah. um, it feels really really good and. The roster is definitely interesting. I mean, there's only eight characters that are available in the open beta, but um, they're fascinating, and the newcomers really feel like they belong. Um, You know, Kimberly's awesome as this sort of strange mix of, like, you know, she's most mostly modeled on a uh, guy as a Bushinru character, but there's also some elements of her move set that are definitely a little more flamboyant. Like uh, our buddy Optimus kind of said, she was sort of Rainbow Mika ish. Um, hmm. So, like, that's fun. <laughs> um, yeah, she Jamie also has also- a. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I was gonna, gonna say. say- uh, she also has that spray can type of thing where um, I don't know how exactly it works, but I heard that has a huge factor in things like it, yeah. she could throw them like bombs, basically. Right. Kind of like how Ibuki can do that in Street Fighter Five, but it's yeah. probably a different type of principle. Like, yeah, when they has got her stuff. sort of range game with her different projectiles and the shurikens. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not saying that, like, I've seen any of these characters even, like, scratch the surface of what they're capable of doing because me and my cohorts are just, like, just trying to figure out things on the (laughs) fly, you know? There's a lot to take in. There really, really is. Drive Um, Impact and all these new uh, systems that they added. Mm Mm-hmm. So, no, um, thus far, like, I... I'm extraordinarily happy with what we've gotten out of it. Um, you know, it feels like they're really poised to have this make the sort of comeback that, like, we've hoped for for a really long time. I, I think to get back to your point, uh, I can see a little bit of where they kind of know what to get at when it comes to making Street Fighter great, and that's uh, all comes down to the gameplay. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, they try to have it model after the best one, which is Street Fighter 2. They mm-hmm. also tried to do that with Street Fighter 5, but they didn't go all the way because uh, they kind of changed it to where it was actually some people said it felt a little slow if you could believe that you know an, a, a game that's like uh, years removed from Street Fighter 2 actually be slower than Street Fighter 2 um, right but it was because uh, I mentioned before there was something that they did with the frames where because they were trying to compensate with the online gameplay 
They made it so that if you stuck out a move, it would be like, I don't know, eight frames later, it would come out or something like that. I think that's how it worked. I'm not a really technical person, Mm -hmm. but they were saying like, yeah, that's why you saw people do stuff like shimmies, which is like moving back and forth to try to bait like an attack or throw, and then you would punish. Mm -hmm. It wasn't possible or like as common in previous Street Fighter games, but because of that, um, uh, frame, uh, I don't know if it's lag or whatnot that was intentional, but that's why you saw more of that. But with this new game, they focused a lot more on the gameplay and they kept online in mind. So yeah. now it's, especially with rollback, I believe they, they have rollback in this game as well. So mm-hmm. that's why uh, they fixed it. Um, if you want another example, just look at Street Fighter 3, mm-hmm. <laughs> where that felt nothing like a Street Fighter game. And if you read that very uh, famous Polygon interview with people who made Street Fighter 3, they were oh, saying the like... vocal history one? Yeah, they or were saying like... history? Yeah. yeah. They were saying like, yeah, about 70-80% of the people that worked on that first Street Fighter game had no experience with fighting games. And it showed... Right. <laughs> yeah so if you know i mean to that. and you know that was a situation where like uh i think there was just i think it was just like a base amount of like understandable fear yeah in the company like how do we top that how do we how on earth do we make a game that is worthy of carrying the name street fighter 3 after what a absolutely seismic hit SF2 was and so you know that was what commenced with the you know kind of years of foot dragging on that you know with the total of five variations of SF2 and um, the Alpha Series series. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no um, I mean yeah I don't know I mean, obviously, we know that, like, um, the main producer behind SF6, like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you follow him on Twitter, like, it's just been this enormous stream of, like, massive respect for SF2. And, like, it was very clear that, like, this game was coming from a place of reverence for that. But it was also definitely seeking to, like honor the series, but also do something that genuinely feels like it is its own new iteration of that entire thing. A good mix. I agree. And not only that, geez, even the, the story, Mm -hmm. I mean, it, uh, people who know street fighter, they know that originally street fighter was supposed to be like an extension of final fight. Mm Hmm. That's why it was called what uh, Street Fighter '89 or something like that, or Final well, Fight. Final Fight was yeah. hatched initially. It was going to be like in the Street Fighter universe, yeah, and carry the name Street Fighter '89. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. I got it. Yeah, mixed up. No, you had it. You had it flopped, but it's cool yeah. though. Um, yeah. So yeah, like uh, it's. I don't know, man. Like. I'm just really excited to get my hands on the final game. Um, yeah. You know, like, 
for the longest time, like I was just like, man, like it seemed so ambitious what they were striving to do with like the battle hub portion of it and your avatars and the whole like world tour mode, which we'll see how that actually lands. I mean, I know like it seemed very promising from what was playable in the demo. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, it's cool as hell that you've also got like classic Capcom cabinets in the battle hub as well. I mean, I stopped, I played a little bit of final fight because if nice. I see final fight, I'm going to play final fight. Cause that's just who I am. And, and, uh. <laughs> and that, that's, what's awesome. Just it's a celebration of Capcom. Yep. And what a great time to do it because Capcom turns 40 this year. Yeah. So it's just so appropriate. Yeah. And what what a way to celebrate that one of your flagship titles. Yeah. One of your best selling titles you're doing yeah. this with. And it's just great. It's it, it brings tears to my eyes. Just I want to play it. I really do. Yeah. Um No, it's really great to see them back in such a in such a profound way across a variety of franchises. I mean Yeah. I mean it's a good day. It's a good year for fighting game fanatics. I mean, you you still got updates for King of Fighters 15. You got Guilty Gear updates for the new one. You got Tekken the big trailer for up. Mortal Kombat 1 dropped. Yeah. Which, <laughs> like, okay. To rewind it a bit, like, yeah. I was a huge Street Fighter person. Mm-hmm. I was not a huge Mortal Kombat person, but I'm going to draw a huge asterisk on that because, yeah, you know, the first game, I thought, eh, it's kind of garbage. It kind of gets by on the fatalities, you know. Yeah. It's like, you know, before Tekken really took on the mantle of like, well, this is the martial arts movie fighting game, which yeah. I think it did. Before that, Mortal Kombat was a little bit like the, you know, the old Golden Harvest, like Shaw Brothers, like, this is a tribute to all of that sort of stuff. And like, you know, huge nod to 80s movies that was present through Mortal Kombat. You know, Raiden was kind of a giant nod to Big Trouble in Little China. Liu Kang was kind of like your garden variety Bruce Lee ripoff. Um, Johnny Cage you know, was a stereotypical uh, American, uh, like John Claude Van Damme. Well, right. Originally, well, I mean, and that's John Claude Van Damme. Right. That's another. That's another hilarious angle of that is that Mortal Kombat has stayed around for so long yeah. that, despite the fact that John Claude Van Damme basically said, "Oh no, I'm too big for this." in 1993 to them yeah in the year 2023 yeah he's down to have himself in the form of a downloadable skin for johnny cage <laughs> in mk1 which would be cool to see yeah I, yeah I would i would like to see that definitely yeah so like you know i definitely don't hate mortal kombat now i can appreciate any video game fran franchise that manages to court an audience for as long as it has um I remember when Mortal Kombat 2 came around. Yeah. It was very much like, 
oh shit, like this series actually is going to have legs because that second game took a huge stride over the first Mm -hmm. as far as gameplay, as far as depth, as far as the interesting nature of the roster. Um, And if you were like an arcade hardware nerd in those days, like the sound that came out of a lot of those midway games was just beefy as fuck, man. Like those machines, those (laughs) machines were usually the loudest cabinets in the arcade. Yeah. And like everyone knew the the letters DCS. Uh huh. (laughs) Yeah. That's what they called the sound system, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was like, it was still impressive, even if like, I wasn't totally on board with the gameplay and like it was never going to pull me away from Street Fighter in any meaningful way. Like, yeah. it was like a begrudging sort of like, eh, you know, it's uh, cool. It's uh, not my thing, but it's cool. Yeah, I'll admit <laughs> I was watching people play that game all the time in arcades. Right. I, I'm not an MK player, but mm-hmm. I do appreciate good MK gameplay. So mm-hmm. I would always watch these gods like play in the arcades get like 10 20 30 game win streaks and then yeah they would stay until they beat the uh the the boss uh, and at the end of the game they would just walk away <laughs> yeah Do you remember that like the, mm-hmm. the very pomp is like i'm so good i'm just gonna walk away i'm not gonna even watch the end i'm just gonna mm-hmm. walk away Don't let it let let the credits roll <laughs> while credits i am roll. gone <laughs> yep those yeah. are the days <laughs> yeah well, man, but, I gotta but, say, <laughs> no, go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to say with Mortal Kombat, though. Yeah, I think it's going in a different direction than Street Fighter. I like what mm-hmm. Street Fighter's doing, but with Mortal Kombat, I don't know. Tell me what you think. Yeah, I feel like it's starting to take itself a little too seriously. Because back in the day, I liked the hokiness. I liked yeah. when in Mortal Kombat Two, when you blew someone's body apart there are like five rib cages that come out yeah that was funny as hell right but now it's gotten to the point where they're trying to make it to like a very serious uh storyline and then the gore is like realistic gore instead of like hokey gore and the playfulness is all gone now well, I mean, that's kind of been that's been the lurch to the series for a while now, though, especially yeah. from like MK9 and 10 and 11. Yeah. Like the fatalities are really, really brutal. <laughs> oh, geez. I mean, and, I, I read reports that the people who programmed mm-hmm. or, or did the art for the fatalities actually got sick or got nightmares because they had to <laughs> look through a lot of research and yeah. try to depict it in realistic fashion. And it was terrible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, again, like that's, that's part of it. That's never like really been my bag. Like I don't Me neither. Yeah. I don't need a game with like, a shit ton of gore to like be invested in it. Like that's never really been my thing, but like, yeah. give me resident evil and I'm straight. That's all I need. Right. right. And again, like even that's definitely got like it's share gore, especially uh four. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, like that's never been my bag, but by the same token, like 
there's a lot of people that are very excited for that new reboot and this Mortal Kombat one. Um, yeah. So, you know, more power to them. That's that's cool that that will exist and that'll excite that fan base. And that's dropping in September. Yeah. Um, there's also some weird, interesting things about that gameplay, though, because um, I was watching Maximilian Dude's video on it, mm-hmm. and like, there's these cameo characters. Of course, cameo is spelled with a K because it's Mortal <laughs> Kombat with the K. Um, but it's basically it sounds a lot like in like a Marvel versus Capcom one style assist. Yep sort of thing to the gameplay so and uh the assist characters are only assists you can't play them as main characters some of them i heard yeah right but that's always interesting because that always presents like a bit of a conundrum like there can be like x amount of player dissatisfaction if like a character they loved comes back as just like an assist or like people wind up longing to have that character be like a real character. Like Lord knows, like when I played MVC one and Arthur was an assist, I was just like, God, why isn't he a full character? That would be so dope, you know? And that wound up happening by the time we got around to MVC three. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting gambit on their behalf. You know, they must have they must have seen a very clear line in terms of like however it adds to that gameplay that they're just like, all right, like this is worth it. You know, and of course that's also another avenue for which you can produce lots and lots of DLC, I'm sure. Yeah. So. But um it's always a gambit. It's always a risk. Every yeah. series has to go through that in order to progress or to make themselves fresh again. You have that with Tears of the Kingdom, with uh, you know, just uh, and Breath of the Wild with, with the breakable weapons, things like that. You just gotta try just to see if something will appeal even more. Uh, yeah, but you don't want to go too far from the formula, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. But yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Tekken 8 looks great, though. It does. Um, relatively, like, super straightforward thus far. Yeah. Like, you've got some really graphically beautiful and striking new iterations of those characters, but I definitely haven't seen anything yet that makes me go, whoa, like, this is... I haven't seen anything yet that really makes me go, okay, like that's a brand new Tekken experience. So I can't yeah. say I've seen that yet, but you know, we're also still pretty early in the hype cycle for that one. Um, yeah. Just revealing characters and that's it so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking but about it also, uh, it also makes me wonder like, gee, like, that's a lot of fighting games coming out in a relatively short window of time. Like what, which ones are really going to manage to last? I mean, obviously like Tekken's got a fucking giant community. Yeah. And, you know, it's managed to sustain itself for a really long time, but you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens with these things because once they sort of 
come out and drop, like, then it's really interesting to see, well, like, how long do these communities hang on? You know, how well do these com- companies wind up actually supporting them with, you know, continued DLC and updates and whatnot? Um, yeah. But how do we do it, guess. James? How do we do uh, it? How, how do we prioritize? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, so many good games coming out this year, especially yeah. this summer. And I mean, I feel like out, if. Out. I feel like if I'm going to play SF6 to a level that would satisfy me, like I'm under no illusions that like I'm going to do what I used to do and become anything even remotely like, you know, like remotely like esports or tournament grade. Like that's just not happening that's not in my future i don't have that kind of time anymore but i would really like to sit down and like really explore like at least a couple of these characters and really be able to pick them apart and play them in a way that i find satisfying so we'll see how that how that pans out because like Oh, like there's just only so many hours in a day and it becomes really yeah. difficult once you've uh you know once you've <laughs> how, grown how do you up juggle a bit. that with Tears of the Kingdom <laughs> oh, man, and you maybe don't. other games. You just don't <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, I think, it's a quandary, I tell you. <laughs> I think I think the way I might attack it mm-hmm. I think SF six might be the thing that I fire up after the end of my work day for like maybe an hour, hour and a half, just because it's much more of like a pick up and play and then put it down sort of yeah. thing for me. Whereas tears of the kingdom might need to more exclusively be the domain of like the three to four hour chunk on a Sunday. Yeah. But I can totally understand, like, doing it the other way, like the thing that you're talking about, where, like, you know, your 60 to 90 minute pre-bedtime jam yeah, might be sitting with Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, because it does work out for me because of the way I play it. Yeah. I don't play like some other people play, where they're into the quest. <laughs> I'm into the just walk around, discover, yeah, and try out stuff. That, mm-hmm. that that that's where I get my jollies, and yeah. I'm definitely going to do that with this game. Uh, with if I ever had if I had Street Fighter Six, uh, I would probably have to manage it in a certain time frame where I play in the morning. You know, like yeah. when I get up to like, like a few like uh, practice sessions before I get ready for work or something like that, or you know, check out the world tour mode and see what I can get. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, world tour mode is finite. I would imagine, like after you play it for like as long as it'll let you, then you know you you got the meat and potatoes of the the fighting game itself, and then you could just play against other people online or practice combos or whatever you want. But even practicing combos would be pretty relaxing for me because not talking just, about games. <laughs> Yes, sir, Mr. Iverson. We're talking about practice. <laughs> practice. Practice. 
So it's all about practice. <laughs> Go yeah, look up man. the interview on uh, YouTube for anyone that's uh, under uh, 25. <laughs> yep. Look that's up great. Alan Iverson talking about games and talking about practice. practice. <laughs> It's a classic. It is. Uh, Well, as always, Eddie, Game Agent E.T., Kunai, uh, it is always an absolute pleasure to sit and shoot the shit with you on all things gaming. Um, Man, we have... We We need uh, double the time on every day. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Just getting bestowed with, like... Two bottomless experiences in the span of a month is just like, whew. all right, so much for my backlog. Like, I guess yeah. that's not getting chipped away at it anytime soon. I wouldn't have but, it any other way, though. Exactly. This is, this is like, what I want. It's it's a it's a first world problem that is very much worth <laughs> wrestling with. Too, too much entertainment, indeed. Uh well. Once again, we are delighted that you all could join us for another episode of Oh God, It Hurts. Um, you can find Game Agent ET on Twitter. Yep, and uh, Instagram. And Instagram. Yep. You can also follow Oh God, It Hurts on Twitter and, and Instagram. Instagram. Um, I am on Instagram as at Super Mario Kart. I'm probably going to fold up my Twitter presence because... I find the platform alarming these days, but who knows? I don't yeah. feel like it's worth handing out at this point, but who knows? Wow. At any rate, um, <laughs> thank you for listening and uh, good luck with your gaming adventures ahead. And uh, goodbye. Goodbye.